Hello and welcome to the Peace and Love Amplifiers podcast. I'm so happy you're here. In these episodes, we will dive deep into the idea of peace. What is it? Is it even attainable? Everyone wants it. So how can we make it manifest? Along with my own experiences, you will also hear uplifting stories from inspirational people who are building peace in their own lives and the world around them. We are on the threshold of a new society, looking at where science meets spirituality. And these stories are a call to action to help overcome division and build a better society for all concerned. Join me on this thought-provoking journey to explore ways we can all amplify peace and love. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Peace and Love Amplifiers podcast. Today, I'm so excited to have two guests on who are the founders of Health Navigators. Liz Curran is deeply inspired to empower others to find their voice and play an active role in their health and recovery without feeling alone because she lost her sister to aggressive breast cancer in 2014. While in treatment, Liz watched her sister struggle with feeling powerless to aid her own healing. And now Liz is a holistic cancer health coach, a certified radical remission workshop facilitator and speaker. Her program offers a roadmap to lifestyle change as a powerful tool for people living with cancer autoimmune disease, and those seeking emotional wellness and their caregivers. Liz benefits her clients with her knowledge in nutrition through her certifications from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and the Forks Over Knives Plant-Based Cooking School. Her experience with mindfulness-based stress reduction programming and as a graduate of the Healing Circles Global Training Program, she guides her clients to break free from of everyday anxieties that arise as they live with chronic illness. And she's proudly certified by the National Board of Health and Wellness Coaches. And her partner, Carla Mangeru, is a cancer thriver living with metastatic breast cancer. Carla was originally diagnosed with breast cancer in 2003 and underwent a mastectomy, chemo, and radiation. 11 years later, in late 2014, a metastatic cancer challenge arose. And with a goal to live to be 100 plus, this did not align. I love that. And so she managed the hell out of this challenge. Carla embarked on a healing and learning journey to help herself regain optimal health and longevity. She is blessed to report stable scans and no evidence of disease since 2016. That's awesome. Carla became passionate about sharing what she learned so that everyone has a better chance of overcoming the odds. She received her training as a holistic health coach through Wisdom of the Whole Coaching Academy and is certified through the National Board of Health and Wellness Coaches. She's also a certified radical remission workshop facilitator and an inspirational speaker. Carla is passionate about inspiring and teaching those on a cancer journey as well as those seeking prevention, general health, and longevity. Well, ladies, thank you so much for being here. I, you guys bring, I can't wait 
to talk about your, you know, what you do to help your, your clients, your patients, your, anybody that comes to you with their health challenges, because the goal of this podcast is to amplify the voices of those that are helping people find inner peace and help society find peace and working from a heart-centered place. As a breast cancer survivor myself, I am so honored to have you both here, and I want to share your wisdom with our listeners. So thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Julia. It's a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. So Liz, I'm so sorry to hear about your sister, you know, and Carla, for your own journey through this. My, My sister also had breast cancer when at the same age that I had it, she's still here with us. So I'm very fortunate in that, but it does, it it kind of really rocks your world when your sister, when yourself, when you have that diagnosis and what was that like for you in that time? For me as the sister of, you know, the cancer patient, essentially, it was very unexpected. It was not something that was in our family. It was not on the horizon. It wasn't something that was even on the radar at all. And so when she got the diagnosis, I was very out of touch with the cancer world and very unaware of anything of along the lines of what I do now for a living with radical remission and otherwise. Um, so I thought initially when she told me, I was like, Oh, all right, well, you know, I know a lot of people that have had breast cancer, you'll be fine, you know, just kind of keeping that upbeat. I'm kind of an ultimate optimist all the time. So um, I did not see the writing on the wall at all. And um, it took a long time. I think she, she was diagnosed in January and passed in December. And it probably wasn't until September that we actually didn't realize that she wasn't going to come out on the other side of it. And it was a very conventional treatment. So after she passed, it was kind of that you know, I, I sat for a really long time trying to figure out what else there is in case this diagnosis presents itself to me, much like you, you know, you, you always wonder if your sibling has it, are you going to have it? And it's not that uncommon. So when I learned about lifestyle change and the huge effects that it can have, the impact that it can have on your, your entire diagnosis, the impact that it can have on you coming out the other side, it really lit me up, lit my fire and kind of just changed the course of the rest of my career and life perspective. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And Carla? Yeah. So, so getting the original diagnosis in 2003, I was only 37 years old and I had a five-year-old and a two-year-old. So it was pretty scary. It was, you know, literally terrifying. Like, you know, what does this really mean? And it was an early stage diagnosis but it was a pretty serious one because when they did the um, mastectomy and the um, lymph nodes were removed, there were seven of 21 lymph nodes involved. So that meant we got to do chemo, we got to do radiation, we got to, you know, give it the big guns. And at that time in 2003, I went through a completely conventional approach. I didn't know anything different. I didn't know that I could do things for myself. And when I, when I did talk about the things you know, that I might be able to help myself, like using acupuncture, I got a big pushback from the doctors. And then my husband's like, oh, you know, if they say you can't, then you can't, you know, you don't want to do that. 
So I did eventually do some acupuncture through chemotherapy to help me manage the side effects, which, you know, at 37 years old and using acupuncture, I got through it relatively easily, relatively, right? Chemotherapy is not fun. It is toxic and it can be really, really hard on the body. But I was young enough, healthy enough, strong enough, and positive enough, really an ultimate optimist like Liz. And so that mindset, I think, really, really helped me. And, you know, it was kind of over and done in nine months. I did the mastectomy, the chemo, the radiation, and hair was growing back and life was going back to normal. And I just wanted to get back to normal and take care of my kids and, you know, continue working in my career. And so I really didn't employ anything that was going to make major changes to my lifestyle. And I thought I had it nailed. You know, I kept hitting those cancer bursaries and, you know, like, okay, one more year. That means I'm, I'm that much further away from it. And when I hit the 10 year mark, I thought I am, this is it. I'm sailing. This is good. So at 11 years to get that metastatic diagnosis, devastating, absolutely devastating. And my kids were preteen teenagers. And I thought, I, I thought it was a death sentence. I thought, this is it. I, 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 I won't make it through this one. And the cancer was all over my bones and, you know, it metastasized to bones. They couldn't get a good biopsy because, you know, trying to get a biopsy of something in your bones is a little bit difficult. And then apparently, I guess it was new enough, found it early enough that there just wasn't enough of it to find. So they treated it as if it were the hormone receptor positive cancer I originally had. And it responded. And I immediately did everything else I possibly could to help myself. Even in spite of my conventional oncologist eye rolls and head shakes and just like whatever, if that's what you want to spend your money on. I hired a cancer coach and immediately changed my lifestyle. I changed my diet. I cleaned up the toxins that I could control. I, you know, took a three month leave of absence from my job. Like you know, this is, this is it. I gotta, I gotta put everything into this. When I went through it originally, I never stopped working. I took six weeks off after the surgery and worked through chemotherapy. Never, never took off time. I mean, I had leeway, right. But it's like, I felt like I was older and wiser and I knew that, you know, I needed to take time for me for healing. Mm -hmm. And so it was, you know, everything in the kitchen sink into this, And really within a a year and a half, I found myself an integrative doctor and I did end up firing my conventional doctor because I got tired of getting the eye rolls and being told to go eat a brownie or drink a margarita to gain some weight or have some fun. Like that's just so against what I felt like I should be doing to support myself. He just wanted to give me the drugs and here, take these pills and you'll be, you'll be fine. Now I will give him credit for telling me that this was a chronic disease we could manage. So that's where I got the idea that I'm going to manage the hell out of this because he said that to me. So God bless him for that part. But once I got to the integrative doctor, I made the switch because I had a liver tumor that popped up. And when that liver tumor showed up and I made the switch to the integrative doctor who fully believed in diet and supplementation and exercise and mind and spirit, you know, management, that made a big difference. That liver tumor was gone, fully resolved in six months. And I have not seen sign of cancer since. Wow. All of that. I mean, that's what a journey, you know, as, as my own experience with humorously, I call this, I called my tumor like the nuisance because it was very early. It was no lymph nodes were involved. 
And so it was just a surgery and radiation and I'm on tamoxifen still. I also have an integrative doctor. And the next thing that I want to do is to start vitamin C supplementation, like the high dose vitamin C. So that's, that's my, the next thing that I, I want to do, but I'm, you know, was diagnosed in 2018. Again, it was a wake up call. Like you both said, it was just like, you know, whew, here you go. Everything stopped. Everything was like, my daughter was nine and you know, it was like, what do I tell her? You know? And so it was like my spiritual connection really got strong. And that's what I think helped me through this, this whole procedure, because like you said, Carla, it was like nine months and, you know, and Liz too, it's a year of, of crazy, you know, and just your whole life changes. So you know, how to find the peace within that, how to find the, because Carly, you said it, you know, the mindset was, you know, that's the biggest, I think the biggest part of the the journey is to really find the mindset of acceptance. Like not that it's, you know, to come with this fight, you know, to me, I, I looked at my tumor as, and I read this somewhere and I don't remember where I read it, but it was, this tumor is a gift because it's collecting all of the cancer cells and it's holding it all in there, you know? So that's how, and, you know, I had that type of cancer that was, it was all right there. And it was literally on my chest wall up here. That's, you know, so, you know, it was one of those, like, what is this up here, you know? And to have, you know, you think of breast cancer, you think it's like lower, you know? So, you know, to have that as a, you know, your whole life changes in one phone call, you know, one visit to a doctor. So Liz, how do you help people that come to you? And you can both answer this question, but how do you come and change their mindset? I mean, how, how important is that in your eyes? I think that's extremely important. I think that's a huge part of the foundation to, you know, accepting this challenge of, you know, taking control of your health or we, as we call it, empowering your health. When I meet someone for the first time and I share with them uh, the radical remission healing factors, which is, you know, Carla and I are both certified to, uh, to teach it's uh, from a book and there's 10 healing factors that were derived from research of spontaneous remission cancer patients and how they healed from cancer without conventional medicine. And so it's, it's not a dig on conventional medicine, it's just part of you know, the research methodology was that, that that was not a factor. So what can we learn from these 1500 cases that were all healed from cancer without conventional medicine? And when I tell people that story about, you know, in more detail obviously, but about the healing factors and how they, that every single one of those cancer patients used them and that it's they're all completely safe with conventional medicine or alternative treatment, whatever you're doing, they're all just mind, body, spirit, and some physical, but none of them conflict with whatever their treatment is. And when they hear that, it's very empowering to know. And it's almost like, you know, when you swipe the match and the fire starts, it's that little bit of hope that they need to think that the possibility exists that they could be healed. And with that, 
you know, it, it just starts to snowball very quickly. You know, cancer is something Carla and I are both extremely comfortable talking about. So we were just talking today about how sometimes we're a little bit too excited to share the story because we just know there's so much hope and so much out there to hold on to that we're always very excited to talk about it, but we have to realize where people are coming from. It's not always that place of, you know, I got this, we got to get them there. So that's a big part of the work that we do is trying to instill that hope and, and kind of light that, like you, the word resilience came up when you were speaking about how, you know, a trait that you need to have, it's not fighting your cancer, but it's the resilience to ride through the waves of, you know, the ups and downs of the, uh, the experience. Yeah. Resilience is, is huge. And stress hormones that get dumped into your body when you are fight, you know, with that mindset of, I need to fight this and it's counterproductive, you know, so to flood your body with those good, juicy, nice hormones, you know, going to fill your body with the good stuff is a shift in that perception you know, of, of, okay, I'm going to see this as it is and be mindful to the fact that my whole body is a system, you know, my physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual body all kind of intermingle. And how can I help with that, with what's going on? How can I be an active participant in the healing of my body? You know, Carla, I'd love to, I'd love to talk a little bit about that because it is so important to understand that there is a mind body connection and that what your mind is thinking about and focused on is, is typically, you know, what's going to be happening for you. And it doesn't mean that you can't have a negative thought or feel bad or be down, right? Those are acceptable human emotions and they're going to happen to all of us. You don't have to be optimistic and positive hundred percent of the time. But the more that you can work on your mindset and your positivity and, and to be more optimistic and to believe that your body has the innate ability to heal is so important in this journey. I also like to tell people that, like you were saying, if you're in a fight, you're releasing a flood of hormones that isn't going to help you. And so you want to be sure that you're in more of a rest and repair mode versus that fight and, and flight mode. And so loving your body back to health, I think, is a better way to approach this rather than fighting the cancer. They talk about a war against cancer, a fight against cancer. It's a battle. And, you know, and I don't like that terminology because that puts the body in that fight or flight response. I prefer to love my cancer cells back to health. So I think of them as they're part of my body. Why would I fight myself? My body just needs to be supported in a way that it can return to homeostasis, right? Return to that place where healing is possible. So things that are foundational to our health, what we eat and how we move our bodies and the beliefs and the, the emotions and, you know, dealing with those things and getting to that place of peace is really, really important on a healing journey because a fight or flight response is never going to get you there. It's going to continue to burn your, your body. Your environment is not going to be in, in a state that's, that's conducive to healing. 
Yes, yes, yes. And when I was going through my journey, I, you know, I had always had different things happen, you know, whether it was relationships or things like, you know, divorce and financial instability, all these things. I, I took them all on myself and I said, you know, I can change the way that I did whatever I did. And, you know, I, I mustered through it. Right. But when this came to me, I was like, whoa, I'm going to need my support system. You know, the caregivers, my family, my community, my church community. And so I really think, and I would love to hear your, you know, your story about this. I had this intention when I was getting the one test back after the surgery they were doing, and you probably know the name of it. And I, I forget the name of it now, but they wanted to see what the, the lymph node was that they took out. And if it was higher than 16, then I would need chemo, right? So I asked everyone, the sister that didn't have cancer, I, we have, I have two sisters, the one that didn't have cancer. She said in the text stream that I said, you know, I need everybody to pray for this. And she's like, well, we're going to intend 15, that you're, the number is going to come back as 15. And instead of, you know, so this way I wouldn't need chemo. And so I let it out in everyone that I knew on my Facebook page, my this, my church group, you know, the whole community. I said, can you please intend 15? Just that I won't need this chemo that I, all the numbers come back low. So I did, I had, and it was, it was ironic because my surgery was in the middle of December and they, they sent the biopsy down and they got lost or something. And then it was on, they were on vacation because of the holiday. And it was like an extended time between the, the time of the surgery and the time that I had the results. It was instead of 10 days, it was like three weeks. And I was just like, that's okay. It's just more time to intend 15, like this whole group of people, you know, and to me, you know, we're all in this field of interconnection, right? So all these people are intending 15 and the number came back as 16. So when I finally, so that means I didn't need chemo. And so how is it, and Liz, you, you talked about you know, the emotional wellness of the caregiver as well. How, how important is it for the, the people around the patient, the cancer patient, the autoimmune disorder patient, how important is it for that community to support that person? I think that one of the keys here that links, you know, to your point of even having us on here today is to provide that peace. So when the patient is surrounded by people that can speak about to them honestly and candidly about their situation, not feeling sorry for them and not feeling bad for them, but like really just asking them truly, how are you feeling? How can I help? What, you know, telling them stories about their life. Don't stop talking about what's positive about your life, thinking that it's going to make them feel sad, just making them feel as normal as possible to help them. And how, how do we do that is to just feel at peace, be in a state of calm around the person that is feeling, you know, that may already be feeling tense and let that energy, you know, radiate onto them as well to keep them feeling 
that kind of common centered feeling. Having community is absolutely is one of the 10 healing factors from the radical remission survivors is the social support piece. And knowing that you have that, you know, there's people out there that are praying for you or thinking about the number 15 or showing up for a lunch or taking you to your appointments. The more you can engage with people, I think the less loneliness there is. And the more, like you said, that internal pharmacy will be activated, just hearing about other people's experience in life. You know, you can get stuck inside your own head for sure with a diagnosis. And it's really easy to lose perspective if you aren't in touch with others. So I think having that social support really does derive and kind of foster that that sense of peace within the patient. If I could add. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important that the person with cancer also find other people with cancer because empathy is also very important. You know, sympathy is great, but empathy can be really helpful to know that somebody else has already walked that path and has found healing or is, you know, maybe still on that healing journey, but, but in, in good shape. And, and obviously you want people that are positive and that are hopeful, not the people that are depressed and, and feeling hopeless. But I think that having a community of like-minded people to connect with can be really important. And the other point I want to make is that you really need to learn to receive that love and support that comes from your community. And not everybody is comfortable putting everything out there or, you know, telling all the details or, you know, they want to be more private about it. But I think that, and and for me, I was an open book. I wanted everybody to know because I wanted everybody to pray for me and help me manifest the positive things that I wanted as my outcomes. And not everybody's comfortable with that. So understanding the individual's comfort level is really important too. But it can be a really big lesson for the individual to learn to receive love and support. So instead of saying, no, no, I got this. I'm independent. I'm strong. I can handle this by myself. Let people help receive that love and support. Ask them for the things that you need. Because when you're in this kind of a situation, it takes a lot out of you to deal with the constant barrage of medical appointments and tests and information that's coming at you. And you're trying to learn, you know, you're trying to do a deep dive in a cancer 101, 201, 301, right? You're, you're really trying to learn everything you can. And that means you may not have time for doing everything else. Well, let other people help. That's so true. It is so true. And I always look at it because I was always a very private person growing up. And until I realized or I read something somewhere that said when you receive somebody else's care you give them the gift of giving and so it was like oh okay it's not just it's not about me it's about them it's like letting them give that gift of whether it's driving you to an appointment or getting you dinner I mean the the fact that we had in my church a caring the caring committee and they sent dinner two or three times a week. And it, it was such a blessing because it's like, Oh, I don't have to worry about going to the store about figuring out what to do for dinner about pay. It was just, I mean, they had from salads, the main meal to the dessert to, you know, everything. It was just like, and they dropped it off to the house. And that was just like, wow, this is really, you know, as the, the receiver of that, it was just such a blessing to receive and to let those 
people know that what they were doing was so beneficial. So yeah, I just, I really think that as someone who you know, has had cancer, but is also a caregiver. I'm also, I work with caregivers in my hospice role. What do you tell the caregivers? Do you work with the caregivers? You know, their own sense of health is important, you know? So how do you bring in the caregiver in your work? We always encourage when we do our radical remission workshops, we always encourage the caregiver to participate as well at no cost, obviously. We want them to know the same information for two reasons. One, so that they can help support the person living with the diagnosis on how to implement them, but also for themselves because it's really valuable for them. I mean, these these factors apply to anyone from just a health seeker, especially to a caregiver, to maintaining their their mental health as well. I found that after my sister passed, I did not know about radical remission at the time. And when I learned about the healing factors, it was like, I say this all the time, it's like a light went off or I got hit, like a bolt of lightning went through my body when I saw the healing factors listed in the table of contents. And I was like, wow, this was like the answer to the prayer that I had. What else is there? These were all the things that I did to get out of my grief. If that can help with grief and it can help with you know, helping cure a cancer patient or help them heal, then absolutely can help strengthen and allow more resiliency in the caregiver. And I'd like to add that from the caregiver perspective, I've even had um, a caregiver who wanted their sister to go through one-on-one coaching to get some help in dealing with cancer. And he also wanted to meet with me. So, you know, the the one-on-one coaching was not only for her, but then there were some sessions for him as well. And this was her brother. And, you know, he really wanted to know what more could he do for her? So he wanted to learn from me. How could he continue to play that role and help her the best way possible? So while we do welcome the caregivers into the workshops, we also welcome them into coaching for themselves whether it's supporting themselves or supporting the the person with cancer. One thing that I've noticed that's come up a lot, especially recently when, you know, with the one-on-one coaching is I find that people, the caregivers and the patients that we work with, they're craving that feeling of being held and just kind of like, I oftentimes will do a visualization of, you know, what does it feel like for someone to be there for you? And almost like, you know, what one would with a when you picture the ideal mom who's like the caretaker and kind of scooping you up and holding you and taking care of you, whether it's through meals and cleaning and all the things that you don't get as an adult, especially when you're a caretaker and you're a mom with kids and a and a life, it's just busy. You don't have that feeling of being held and supported in the way that you did hopefully in your childhood, if ever. And I find that that's something that they really desire. So it could be related to the amount of overwhelm that you have with dealing with a diagnosis, either as a patient or a caregiver, trying to weed through all of the information and making sure you have all of the best information, whether it's just the medical bills or whatever, There's it's so overwhelming. So anything that people in your inner circle or whatever your circle looks like can do to support you, to help you feel that feeling of being held is just invaluable. It really is. I think it's really key to helping the caregiver that allows the caregiver to then help the patient more effectively. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, when the caregiver is depleted, 
and they're the first line of defense, you know, in that, in taking care of their loved one. It, there's such a, it's a different dynamic in every family, you know, and I go, like I said, um, you know, I have families that I help through my hospice work that, you know, some family members are, are great with it. Some are overwhelmed with it. And it's, it's so, you know, in my own experience as a caregiver, you know, of my mother-in-law, I know what it's like to be depleted, you know, with that constant having to care for someone and then, you know, throw in a pandemic where you can't, you can't have family come in and help out and you can't, you know, send the person to the hospital without really thinking, do they really need to go to the hospital? You know, so there's that caring for the caregiver to me is, is so huge. And because, you know, they're flooding themselves with that, those stress hormones. So what's it going to look like for them in five, you know, 10, five years, you know, so five, 10 years, I should say, but, you know, so it's so important, I think, to like bring the whole, the whole caregiving team in to that work, you know, and so um, it's wonderful that you guys do that. So how can people get in touch with you guys? What's going on in your world? How, you know, if somebody is listening to this, that, whether they're a cancer patient themselves, or if they're a caregiver of someone, like, how can they get in touch with you guys? And I know you said you had a retreat coming up. So tell them. We do. Yeah. Thanks for asking, Julia. So folks can find us at www.healthnavs.com. So we're the health navigators. Healthnavs.com is our website where you will find all of the things that we do there, all of our radical remission workshops, We do have a workshop retreat coming up on August 13th, 14th, and 15th in Union, Washington at a beautiful location. And it's our first in-person workshop since the pandemic. So we are excited to be able to do this in person because you just can get so much out of it by doing it in person and being able to connect with people. And it will still be a small group in a beautiful setting, as I said. We also offer our workshops virtually and we will continue to offer those virtually because then we can reach people no matter where they are. And we have people come to us from the United States, Canada, Europe, wherever. And that can all be found on our our website. We also offer Stories That Heal book clubs. So we love to read books that are healing and Radical Hope, which is the follow-up book to Radical Remission, is one of the books that we continue to offer. But other books like Mind Over Medicine by Dr. Alyssa Rankin, books by Brene Brown, Boundaries, you know, just all sorts of different topics that can help people on their path to healing. And those Stories That Heal book clubs are also listed on our website. And Liz and I are both available for private coaching. We're available for the group coaching that we do for the book clubs, for the workshops. And we just love to help people find their holistic path to healing, health, and wholeness. And I do want to mention, Julia, before we run out of time, that when I originally started on my coaching journey, so I was diagnosed in 2014 and I was certified as a coach in 2019, the name of my company was Peace, Love, and Health. Oh, that's so great. Oh my gosh. See the synchronicities. That's wonderful. Nice. Wonderful. Thank you, Carla. Liz, did you want to add anything to what 
Carla was saying? Uh, one thing I thought of while she was speaking about sharing about our book clubs, and this also kind of goes back with the workshops as well, is that the community that has come from the work that we've done is l- just so amazing. A lot of times people that are in our community will say, you know, I like being here because everybody here is inspired or looking ahead. There is so much hope within our community that even many of them are late stage. So they are always pivoting and reworking and revamping and having a community where you can bounce ideas off of or tell them about your bad days, maybe hear about somebody else's good day. Just knowing that there's this this place to go, whether it's through reading a book, you know, kind of a health inspired book and showing up each week, the community that forms really is, I mean, honestly, Carlo, probably one of our healing factors. It's the the secret sauce behind implementing them is having that support within a group of people that really understand. Yeah. And that goes back to Carlo's, you know, sympathy is great, but empathy is is so important. So absolutely. Yep. Yes. And so the links to the website will be in the show notes. So anybody that wants to get in touch with Carla and Liz can do so there. And is that the best way to get in touch with you guys as far as like coaching the the book groups, all that? Yep. All of our events are on the website. Our contact info is on there. People can reach us and actually even directly schedule appointments with us. Uh, We like to offer free initial consultation. So if, you know, there's no financial obstacle there, so please feel free to seek that out on our pages. You can read about Carla and myself and just connect with our online calendars from there. And then also just to say that we are on Instagram and Facebook, we have our handle as at health navigators. And just to reiterate our website, healthnavs.com, that's healthnavs.com. If anybody wants to just, you know, check us out there, please feel free. And then, you know, we have our phone numbers are listed on there as well. If they need to have a live person on the other end, we will actually answer the phone. (laughs) And that's a beautiful thing. Uh, So thank you. Thank you so much. Is there anything that you want to share? And one thing that I do ask is what do you do, Liz and Carla right now? What do you do in your daily routine that or weekly routine that or monthly routine, no judgment, but you know, what do you do right now to help you find that inner peace, find that, that connection, something that you want to have an idea for, you know, for our listeners, give an idea for our listeners. Sure. For me, I think that I am extremely dedicated to mindfulness and staying kind of in an observatory place in my life where I can kind of you know, maybe not always in the moment, but after, you know, moments I can step away and observe. And a lot of ways that I have learned to do that through is a lot of self-compassion work. And that's something I've been working a great deal on this year and, and educating myself and doing a lot of group coaching in the area of self-compassion. I think it's kind of the next mindfulness 2.0 in my opinion. So I highly recommend if anybody's looking for, well, we're actually going to have a book club in the fall from with Kristen Neff's self-compassion work. So she's a great author to check out if you want to see her website or check out any of her books. That is a, definitely where I find my personal go-tos right now for working on myself. And I'll add that I have my own meditation practice. I do attempt to do it daily, but I don't feel like I have to 
sit still on a cushion with the incense burning and, you know, all of that. And when the weather is nice, I'm in the Illinois area, so outside of Chicago, when the weather is nice, I sit out at my serenity pond and I commune with nature. And I feel like that is where I find a lot of peace and how I love to start my day is breakfast at my serenity pond. Lovely. Lovely. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, for sharing your stories. First and foremost, you're both inspirational in the fact that you've taken such a challenge and made it into a gift and a gift to yourselves and a gift to others. And I think that is beautiful and and so worthy of recognition. And so I thank you both for being here. And if any of our listeners want to get in touch with Carla and with Liz, go to their website. The book group sounds phenomenal and I might be joining you. So, all right. We would love love to to have you, you, Julia. Thank you. All right. Well, you take care and I'll see you soon. At the book club. At the book club. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much for having us. It really has been a pleasure and we hope that we've made some connection with your audience and that our message resonates. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Thanks, Julia. Thank you so much. Hey, you peace and love amplifier. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at peaceandloveamplifiers.com. You can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, and YouTube. Thanks again for listening. And remember to ask yourself, what am I feeding the field? Until next time.